1: And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com. If you're like me, you like to read, but you're having trouble finding the time to squeeze in all those great books, well, Audible.com is a perfect solution. Audiobooks are great. I never thought I would like them, but I love them now. It's a great way to get caught up. I listen to and get caught up on the book as I'm driving to work, if I'm exercising, any free time working out in the yard, I can get caught up in all my reading. You can go to uh, my website, doseofleadership.com slash audible, and you can uh, download a free audiobook. Any audiobook they have, over 100,000 titles to choose from, you can download it for free, listen to it. You can sign up for 30 days with no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. But again, it's no risk to you. Go check out doseofleadership.com slash audible to make your smartphone smarter. Well, can a subtle shift in focus really make that big of a difference in your business, your income, and your life? And when combining that shift in focus with five, five proven laws of success, can your business, your life, really become more fun, a lot less stressful, a lot more profitable, and much more beneficial to those around you? My next guest certainly says absolutely yes. He's Bob Berg. He's a sought-after speaker at corporate conventions and for entrepreneurial events. He regularly addresses audiences ranging in size from fifty to 16,000, sharing the platform with many notables, including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities. Olympic athletes, and political leaders, including a former U.S. president. For years, he was probably best known for his book, Endless Referrals, but the past few years, it's been his business parable, The Go-Giver, which he co-authored with John David Mann, that has captured the heart and imagination of his readers. Shot to number six on the Wall Street Journal's bestsellers list in just three weeks after its release, and reached number nine on Business Week. It's been translated into 21 languages, and it's his fourth book to sell over a quarter million copies He's an advocate, supporter, defender of the free enterprise system, which you know that I love, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's a founding board member of Club 100, a charitable organization focused on helping underprivileged youth. He's a lover of animals, and he's a past member of the board of directors for Safe Harbor, which is the Humane Society of Jupiter, Florida. Bob, what a pleasure. Welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast.
2: Hey, Richard. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, it's such a thrill, and... Tell me a little bit uh, and our listeners a little bit more about yourself, a little quick background and how you got so passionate about what you do in leadership in general.
2: Uh, well, yeah, you know, I started out as a television broadcaster. Start first in, in radio and then television. Uh, I was probably the worst newscaster, though that you that you've ever seen. I was 24 years old. I could read the news, but uh, yeah, I was young and really didn't have a grasp of the news. And I got to say, at that time, I really didn't care. <laughs> it would be different today, but back then, that's how it was. And and. Um, I was probably, though, even then, a little bit too positive for the medium itself. My idea of a good you know, I was a late night news guy, so my idea of a good opening would be something like Hi, everyone, I'm Bob Bird. the news tonight. Everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> go, to, go to bed. We'll let you know if something comes up. So, uh, you know, I, I wasn't long for the business, and, and I graduated into sales. And it was at that point that I really got interested in personal development because I found out that's really what selling is all about. You have uh, to—it's of course understanding that you're there to serve the uh, the customer and and add value to them. Of course, at that at that time I had no skills in that, so I started studying the masters, the Tom Hopkins, the Zig Ziglers, and and people who just really made a huge difference in my life, and that's where I discovered that selling, again, is about understanding people. It's about understanding yourself. It's about continually improving and developing oneself, and as I got successful in that, um, I eventually it sort of morphed into the business of of teaching others what I was doing that was working, which, of course, I had learned from others, so uh, it, it's just sort of evolved that way. In, in terms of leadership, I, I've never really <laughs> considered myself a leader as much as as a producer but it was over the years people started saying no you are a leader that's that's you know what you're doing it's it's kind of who you are, and, and I started saying, hmm, well, that's interesting, because I've been reading for years, you know, people like John Maxwell, I love his materials, uh, heroes of mine in leadership, such as Dondi Scumaci, who I believe you've had in your program, right. and, and different people who I've got to study and learn so much from, and I think as you do that, uh, you know, you, it, it sort of becomes a part of you.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it certainly becomes a central aspect. You start to understand this, certainly as you go on, that it's central to almost everything that you do, including, mm-hmm. like you're talking about, in, in selling and everything else. So let's let's talk about your book, The Go-Giver. It's a great book, It, but that title seems to contradict traditional wisdom. Is, is that on purpose, and what is the basic premise of The Go-Giver?
2: Well, the title itself is, is meant to be sort of bit counterintuitive uh contrarian if you will without being curmudgeon mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's uh you know any any book and people say well you shouldn't judge a book by its cover but you know richard that's exactly what we do <laughs> so, right. the title of a book has to be sort of attractive like the uh title of uh like the uh, headline of a sales letter and you want it to be able to draw people in as long as it's congruent with the actual message and the 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 premise of the book and again it's a it's a work of fiction it's a uh, a business parable or a business fable uh, co-authored with the the great writer John David Mann, who is really the lead writer and, and storyteller uh, the premise is simply that shifting one's focus, and this is really what I believe is the key shifting one's Focus from getting to giving. In this case, when we say giving, we mean constantly and consistently creating value for others. Doing so is not only a a nice way to live life, but it's a very financially profitable way as well.
0: You know, I, looking back at when I started studying entrepreneurship really heavily in the in the eighties, and kind of you know, growing up in that era, and this and that, and and as I as you've gone through the years, it seems like the more that you give, isn't that kind of saying? And then some of the guys that I even looked up to back then, um, you know, wasn't, was, you know, the nice guys um, and gals finished first, but isn't that kind of naive? Isn't that perhaps a little bit naive thinking that?
2: You know, it's a good question. And it would be naive if that's really what the story was about. And I I think when people hear a title such as the go-giver, it, it, It kind of brings about the question, gee, are they just saying, are are Berg and Mann simply saying nice guys, nice gals, nice people finish first? And really that's not what we're saying, and that's not what the book is about. Now, uh, don't get me wrong, being nice, and when I say nice, I'm using that in the same context as kind. Sometimes the two are different, but being a genuinely nice person, a kind person, not only that nice uh, is a good way to be in it for its own sake, but it's actually very helpful in building business and building your influence let 's face it, most people are you know would rather be influenced by or buy from or or be friends with or what have you with someone who 's nice rather than someone who 's nasty uh, so it 's important but it it 's not everything, and you know I think I can say that you know being nice in other words, being nice in and of itself is not enough to make one successful and uh, hey, you know you and I and everyone listening to this, we all know plenty of people who we would describe as being simply nice people who we would also have to describe as being simply broke people. So being nice, as important as it is, as great as it is, certainly isn't enough for one to be successful. Success is also a matter of doing the correct things in the success process that allows a person to be successful and finish first, if you will. And the five laws that John and I share in the book are simply meant to provide those principles that if someone will utilize them, Uh, together in in conjunction all five of them not one two three or even four of them but all five of them they must be successful
0: yeah and I guess that's what I was getting to like I've always been kind of taught as you know you got to be out there a a go-getter and being a go-getter is a good thing that's how you're gonna finish ahead you know Mm -hmm. are you saying that uh, being a go-getter is necessarily a bad thing
2: no being a go-getter is a great thing we love go-getters because go-getters to get things done. And you know you you know you're a successful business person, you have a military background and, and you know that hey, you know you can have all the the best ideas, the the best thoughts, the best intention, but unless action is put into the mix, nothing is going to happen. So being a go-getter is is vital, very important. Uh, the good news is that that uh that being a go-getter and a go-giver are not opposites; they don't conflict. There's no natural division between the two. Many right. go getters are also go givers, and we would say that every go giver is also a go getter. Yeah. Uh, the the opposite of a go giver is really a go taker.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, that makes sense. You know, and that you know, that's that
2: person, and I'm sure you have you, seen them both when you were in the military and in in uh, in private sector uh, business. You know, those are the people who sort of. Uh, they kind of feel it's all about them, <laughs> you know right. they they feel almost entitled to take take, take without having added value to the person to the process to the the situation and they they tend to to be very frustrated because they either don't attain anywhere near the level of success they feel they deserve, or even when they do they're kind of quickly discovered, and they're always having to to do it all again because they haven't based their, their success and influence or, or leadership on any type of real foundation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When, when we say go-giver, we're really just simply talking about that man or woman who has learned uh, or has, has perhaps intuitively always known, because some people do, that it's that person who can, who can move from what we call an I-focus or a me-focus to an other-focus. That's the person who accomplishes the most. Yeah. That's the person who others want to follow.
0: And I love that. I mean, all central, what I've always said here, people listen to the podcast, you know, it's never about you. It's all about right. them. And I love, I love that idea. You mentioned these principles in, in what the book calls the five laws of stratospheric success. Uh, law number one is the law of value. Let's talk about some of those. What, is it, what about the first one there?
2: Sure, the law of value says that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value mm-hmm. than you take in payment. Now, this sounds, at first, very counterintuitive, very counterproductive when you think of it. I mean, how do you give more in value than you take in payment and, and stay in business? <laughs> Survive in business, never mind thrive in business. Sounds like sort of a, a recipe for bankruptcy. Give more in value than you take in payment. So we we have to simply understand uh, that there's a difference, a big difference, a significant difference between price and value. Uh, Price is a dollar figure. Uh, It's a dollar amount, Richard. It it, it simply is what it is. It's finite. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing this product service concept idea that brings so much worth or value to someone that they'll willingly exchange their money for which in a free enterprise uh based economy is the only way someone is going to do that because they see value in it they see more worth than the money they're uh, they're trading for it um and and so that they'll feel great about it and you'll make a very healthy profit and we can use as a very easy example let's say you hire an accountant to do your taxes, and this accountant charges you, just to cite a very round figure, charges you $1,000. Uh, that's his, his fee or his price. But what value does he give you in exchange for this? Well, he let's say he saves you $5,000. He saves you countless hours of time, which frees you up to do what you do best or what you choose to do, what you'd rather do. And he provides you with the Security and with the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So what he done? He he gave you well over five thousand dollars in value or use value in exchange for a thousand dollar price. So. You feel great about it, and he made a very healthy profit, which he should. And, and that's the kind of relationship we want to have with any client. We want to give them such a, an exceptional, terrific, magnificent buying experience that they feel just great about it, and, and we also do very well financially with it. And that happens, again, only through that shift in focus. You know, if, if, if you have a client and you're focused, if you're focused on the money, okay, they're going to know this. They're right. going to know you see them as a paycheck or you see them as a commission check or what have you, and the relationship's just not going to be there. Um, the chances are they're not going to do business with you, or if they do, they're not going to enjoy the experience. On the other hand, if they can tell your focus is on them and making their life better through your your excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, appreciation, now they know it's a whole different story. And this is why John and I say that when it comes right down to it, money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must be the focus. The value must come first. And the money is simply a a direct and very, natural result of the value you've provided.
0: Yeah, it certainly makes sense. And especially if you look at the online space, you certainly see that a lot of the ones especially who are really successful, they're giving about 95% of, or mm-hmm. at least the perceived, their stuff away for free. They're providing that value. They're building that trust. And then when they do ask for you know, the other 5% of what they're selling and payment, it's uh, it goes that much more Um, easier or successful because they've already have this perceived value of what this person's already provided for them in the past. I mean, I definitely see that in the online space. Yeah,
2: and and more than just... uh, And it's a great point. More than just giving value for free in terms of uh, their knowledge or or product or, or something, it's also just... It, it, it's it's um, you know whether you're retweeting somebody or whether you're sharing something on Facebook that's just going to be of value personally or, or professionally or introducing uh, people or or however you do it. As you said, you're you're providing value. You're creating a you know a reputation as an asset of value. Right, and that's where that's where it really starts to happen where the relationship is built.
0: Has the marketplace always been like that, or has it? Was there a time when people could have, you know, if, if you had good copy? And I know good copy is still important now, but it seems like if you look at the old copies of, like, let say the fifties and the sixties, where they were really trying to get everybody to get that that hook. Is that less or more effective, or is it the same today?
2: Well, anytime there's a. a, a free-market-based economy. And and there, there's not. We, we don't live in a, a true free-market-based economy where governments only function... Uh, the, you know, government's legitimate function in a free-market-based economy is simply to protect the citizenry from force and fraud. And other, other than that, stay out of the way and simply create the environment where people are free to do business with each other, however they see fit for mutual gain. Uh, that's not the case. but And yet, as much as we now live in a mixed economy, uh, the free market still... Uh, the, the, to the extent that we do have a free market, again, where no one is forced to buy from you, that's where this really comes into play. Um, and I and I suspect that it's always been the same wherever people are free to exchange with one another. Now, you know, methods and tactics change and so forth, but if you go back to... Uh, you know, when Ben Franklin was, was selling printing, uh, you know, pamphlets and, and and was doing printing and so forth, it was always the same. He had a great reputation in the marketplace for providing great value right. in his printing, okay? And, and so it, it's anywhere. Now, that doesn't mean people... Um, are uh, you know people all have different values, so people all like or dislike certain things. They like doing business or not doing business in certain ways. But as as Harry Brown has said, and I I blogged about this recently, um, you know, profit is the simply the result for satisfying the desire of someone else.
0: Right. Well, I'm curious to see what you think about. Uh, I hear your thoughts on the law of influence, and particularly since I'm a you know big student and. Advocate of Maxwell's stuff as well. Sure. Of course, the law of influence is important for him and his 21 irrefutable laws. Um, talk about the law of influence as it pertains to the go-giver and uh, kind of maybe the, the, the sameness of the differences of, of what Maxwell teaches.
2: Sure. Well, uh, you know, John's a, John's a real hero of mine, and, and what John's basic premise is that leadership is influence. You know, we can we can look at influence as, we can define it, or I would define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, right. uh, usually within the context of a specific goal. And I, I think that's a, you know, that's a, a definition of influence that most people probably wouldn't disagree with, <laughs> even though people might have their own, you know, specific definitions Uh the law of influence in, the go giver is simply that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Yeah. Now, again, like like so many of the laws John and I discuss, John uh, David Mann and I discuss, uh, it, it, it's kind of It sounds kind of productive at best, maybe even downright Pollyanna ish at worst. I mean, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place. Other people's interests first—is that really real world? Well, think about it. I mean, uh, God, and I know you study leadership. You are a leader, so you would—you—you you already do know this. And thats is—you—you—you you, you know. I ask people: think about the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the most the financially successful salespeople. What do they have in common? They put other people's interests first. They're always looking for ways to add value to other people's lives. Great leadership is never about the leader. It's always about the people they're leading and developing. Great influence is never about the influencer. It's about the people they're trying to influence and this is whether it's family, friends, your employee, employers, coworkers, team members, committee members, whether it's the excuse me the supplier, whether it's that government bureaucrat who you need to, to have working with you rather than against you. It's being able to to move them to action, but in a way that they feel good about it and feel good about themselves. You know the uh, the basic premise of of everything I've I've taught over the years can be boiled down to a, a one very particular statement, and that is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know like, and trust. Yeah. They'll also allow themselves to be led and influenced by people they know, like, and trust. And the, the, the fastest, most powerful, most effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others is by, is by again, shifting your focus, moving from from focusing on yourself to focusing on others. You know, Dondi Scumaci, who we were talking about earlier, and Dondi's another just great hero of mine, um, I love uh, something that Don D, uh Don D often says. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. She says, "Compliance will never take you where commitment can go." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, just so so brilliant. And that's really what a leader does. A, a leader, uh, it, uh, a leader puts compliance aside because they know that's not leadership. Right. You commit to a leader. You comply with a. A manager, or comply with the compliance department. But <laughs> when we talk about leader, but when we talk about leadership, it's about garnering
0: uh, commitment. Yeah, at the heart of it is, and I love what you just said, and, and it rings so true with everything we say here on this podcast. That you know, the the, the beginning of understanding what it means, or the pro- beginning the process of. Of learning how to influence, it all begins with intentionality of adding value to others. That is at the heart. And it's totally shifting the focus away from you, like you said. I mean, we've all made, I think, the classic era in the beginning. I know I did early on in the Marine Corps career where I thought the position, the title, the bars, and the shoulder, you know, and, and my knowledge and how smart I was would carry the day. But at the end of the day, it almost kind of made people not even like you even more. No one really wants to hear how much you know, unless they mm-hmm. know that you care about them, you know. And I think that well, uh, that that that's I really- think
2: we've all been there before. I mean, that you know, the mistake that you say um, we we've all made. I mean, I think we have. Most of us have. Yeah. And, and John Maxwell tells those stories on himself. I can't tell you how many. Aside from the books I've read of John. And how, and here getting to hear him speak, how many of his his uh, audios I've listened to. And one of the great things about John, he's such a humble man, isn't he? Yeah. And he, he tells these stories on himself, and they, they're great teaching stories. And, and I think you're right on the mark. that That is, I think, every leader starts out by almost being, not every leader, but a lot, start out by embracing what, what John calls, I think I've heard him say this, what he calls positional authority. Right. Uh, thinking that it's the position that gives you the authority. And, of course, we know it's not. It's not that at all uh, because people don't follow positions. (laughs) They may comply, but they're certainly not going to commit. So I just think those are such great, great principles.
0: I always find it funny. I ask people in in presentations in the audience, you know, when we are talking about positional authorities, like how many of you here when you got a new position or title where the main thing you were thinking about was getting a new business card? And we get mm-hmm. so excited about getting that new business card, don't we? That, that <laughs> ego just comes center stage. But leadership isn't about ego; it's about influence, like you said. I, I love what you just said. You know, I'm not. I'm I'm such a young student on sales. I never consider myself a salesman. Um, but your teachings really do break some paradigms on on sales. What What are some of those?
2: Well, you know, Richard, that's a, a great question, and I think it's an important question because. Sales, like anything, you've got to have a definition in order to really understand something. Uh, and it's it, Ayn Rand uh, once said, uh, it's one of my favorite quotes, he said, even the best logic, if based on a false premise, can never result in a correct conclusion. Mm. So there are so many people who say, well, I could never sell. Oh, I would hate selling, Or right? I. And what is it they really mean? Uh, so when someone says that to me, I, I, I would never say to them, oh, no, you do be I say, uh, how do you define selling? And that's how you know what they're really thinking because, see, a lot of people, what they think is that selling is about trying to convince someone to buy something uh, that they don't want or need. When actually, actually, selling is just the opposite. It's finding out what someone does want or need and helping them to get it. Uh, people think selling is about Taking advantage of others. It's not. It's actually about bringing people more advantage through your products and services. Probably the biggest upside down misperception about selling is that at its heart it's about taking, when it's not, it's actually at its core, at its essence, at its most profitable, at its highest, it's about giving. Mm. And I, and I actually mean that literally, not figuratively. People say, no, no, you mean that figuratively. No, I mean it literally because the old English root of the word sell is "salath," which meant to give. So when you're selling, you're literally giving. Now, someone might say, well, that's semantics. You know, okay, I understand what you say, and you're right, but, but that's just semantics. And again, I don't think it is, and here's why. Let's say you are in a selling situation. And again, whether it's selling a product, whether it's selling a service, an idea as a leader, you're selling ideas, you're selling concepts, you're selling philosophies, you're in the selling process with someone, and that person's in front of you. When you're selling, what are you giving? I suggest you're giving time, attention, counsel, education, empathy, and ultimately, you're giving Value. So when you're selling, you're giving. Now, what, what people often think when they say, well, I could never sell, or I wouldn't want to sell," or they think selling is about taking advantage. Well, what they're talking about is a con artist, a crook. Right. You know that not a not a professional salesperson. A, a professional salesperson is there to match the benefits of their product or service with the consumer's wants, needs, or desires.
0: Yeah, I like, I love what you're saying there, and I, th- it, it, for me, this has been a relatively new mind shift for me because I think for the years, and if you would ask me, I don't like to sell because I'm afraid of the general perception that I'm trying to con them into something or give them something they don't want or need. But you're absolutely right that I think that it's if if you shift the focus in in. As the person as a salesman, you're trying to find the pain point and digging. You know that that takes that's a whole different skill set than what we traditionally think are of traditional selling, right?
2: Yeah, well, you're overcoming. You're you're um, not overcoming. You're you're helping to discover a need, want, or desire. Right, and that's what a sales professional helps to do. Well,
0: what about the traditional? What about? Um, skills and techniques i mean companies invest countless amounts of money and hours in teaching their salespeople skills are you saying they shift their skills um i guess and this is something i'm not that familiar with i don't know what a traditional company traditionally teaches and techniques Is, is are you teaching something different or are people gravitating to what you're talking about already
2: well, we're often asked with, you know, the go-giver philosophy about focusing on, on the needs of, of others, on the, the customer, client, what have you, if what we're saying is, you know, forget about sales training or sales teaching. Absolutely not. A sales professional, like any other professional, studies their craft. And sales is an art, sales is a science, and, and it's very important to, to continually read and listen and learn, uh, you know, about sales. Uh very important what we would say though is that that's just the baseline <laughs> you know uh people ask well what makes a, a a successful salesperson successful you look at the really top financially successful salespeople and, and the question and it's a good question and that is well what sets them apart what makes them so successful hmm. and i think the intuitive responses the intuitive answers aren't wrong, but they're incomplete. For example, someone might say, well, the great salespeople, they believe in their product, and they, they have a great product to sell. And, of course, they do, but that's baseline. It, you know, I can't think of many people who who don't believe in their product. You know, right. but So there's, there's great salespeople. They, the best salespeople definitely believe in their product, and they have great products, but so do very average salespeople. So it's important. It's just not the difference maker. Then there's product knowledge. Don't the... The best salespeople know their product inside, outside, backwards, forward, sideways, diagonally. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. They've got to. Uh, but certainly, many average salespeople. So again, important, sure. The uh, de- determining factor, no. So then, there, then there's sales skills, and you know, don't the. The top salespeople make a study of sales. Don't they know every approach and every opening and every closing and every answer to the objection, and every this and every that? And absolutely, they do. They study their craft like any great professional would. But you know this, There are many average salespeople who have done the same thing. And in, in the theoretical type of thing, absolutely, they know just as much as the top producer. So are these all important? You know, having a great product, having belief in your product, product knowledge, sales skills, yes, they're all very very important they're just not what makes a great salesperson great they're just the base of it that's you know yeah. they're the uh like the the ball player who can catch and throw and hit and run you've got to be able to do it but that's not going to separate you from the others you can do the same thing The the, the best the most successful sales people really just understand i think a A very basic truth about selling and you alluded to it earlier when you were talking about leadership and that is they they know that it isn't about them and it isn't even about their product or service it's about the other person and how those products and services are going to to add to the life of that other person you know richard there's a friend of mine his name is adam grant and he wrote a book that that came out about three or four months ago, and it really has taken the world by storm. It's called Give and Take. Uh, and it's a study of different styles of people doing business and, and so forth. And he cites in his book, he cites a, a study of uh, financial advisors in Australia. These are people who are selling financial services. And they did a study to see what was the determining factor uh, amongst these. uh, You know, what made the top-selling, top-producing financial advisors as successful as they are? And they studied uh, areas such as financial expertise, which of course is very important for a financial advisor, and ability to work hard, again, very important for a, a financial advisor. And every hugely successful financial advisor certainly scored high in those areas, but that wasn't the determining factor. The determining factor was that the the most financially successful financial advisors clearly and undeniably put the interests of their client ahead of themselves and ahead of their companies. And to the degree they did that, they were also very, very successful. Hmm.
0: You know, what's striking me is you're talking about this, and I was having a conversation uh, earlier this morning with somebody, and and really the – the difference in in some of your top sellers, and almost it's almost any skill set really. In, in when it, when mm-hmm. you're dealing with people, the, the mm-hmm. moment you shift your mind mindset away from you and onto others, you're really diving into the leadership realm. And I would argue that your top salespeople are really great leaders too, because they understand the human condition. They understand that it's not about them; it's about about others. You know, mm-hmm. talent is definitely a given, but to earn success, I think that um, the, the catalyst for me that sustains these long-term results, whether it be in management, selling, or whatever, to me, it's leadership. I mean, that's what all you're talking about there, and, and um, I just think it's…
2: Well, that's, that it's sustainable influence. That's really, you yeah. know, leadership is, right. is all about that.
0: Oh, I love that. It's great stuff. Thank you. Where can people find you? I mean, well, I'll have links to all of this on the post, but uh, give us a quick plug where people can find you.
2: The easiest thing to do is just go to my main website, which is Berg, and that's spelled b u r g dot com. And while there, they can sign up to my, for my influence and success insights, and they can visit my blog and uh, connect with me on all the various social media if they'd like, and they can download uh, chapter one of the Go Giver and see if they like the book, and then click through if they do. So it's uh, it's all at Berg, b u r g dot com.
0: It's a fascinating read, and uh, and while we I got you on the phone. You got a new book coming out in the fall, do you not?
2: yeah yeah we're excited about that it'll be out in late october called adversaries into allies and it's really how to get what you want when dealing with people including difficult people while helping them feel genuinely good about themselves and the situation
0: Ooh, i love that, that thank uh, you very good for uh leadership i'll definitely have to be back on the show when it comes out
2: thank you i i quote dr maxwell several times in there oh, you know, again job. he's such a hero of mine and, and uh you know i i know that you're uh, involved with his uh, leadership program and and uh, so the people who who you have as clients are very lucky to have you who's already proven yourself as a leader uh, both with the marines and in your your private business and now that you're also working uh, uh you know with the Maxwell organization it's uh, uh yeah, the people are triply blessed.
0: Well guys thank you for the for the plug the checks in the mail so i'll have that to you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Bob, it's been a true pleasure. It's really fun. You're a fun interview, and I'm glad to have you on the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Richard.
0: All right. We'll talk to you soon. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership
1: community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.